you know, people get pretty stressed when they have a pain that they can't see it's inside somewhere and they don't know what's causing it. And so I think when you kind of start to just arm yourself a little bit with some knowledge about pain and injury, it can kind of help protect you a little bit from some of those worries about it. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Dr. Tom Walters. What's up, man? Welcome. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome to be here. Man. Maui, this is uh, the best location I've been for a podcast. So <laughs> pretty, not too bad, yeah, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And you came at a good time too. The whale. Have you seen any whales yet? I haven't. They've but just started. I've, yeah. I've not seen one either, but okay. people are seeing them. Yeah. We have some friends who live out here in Kihei and we'll usually go out on their boat. So yeah. I've been lucky to see some whales out here, but um, yeah. I need to go check it out. It's Yeah. It's wild. It's my favorite time of the year and I'm about to leave for a few weeks, which is just sad, but yeah, whale season, like we go out every year with paddleboard out there. Mm-hmm. You just paddle like a mile or two out there and you're just alone with whales and it's the craziest experience. That's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of freaky when they get real close to the boat. Like yeah, I uh-huh. remember seeing this one with this whale, a video of a whale breaching and landing on this yeah. kayak. Yeah. Kayak I, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I saw the one. Did you see the one the other day? Maybe it was the same one where the guy was kite surfing. It was cool. They got the video on two angles. They got a video of somebody from the beach recording him. And then he had a GoPro on him mm-hmm. and he's just whipping kite surfing and a whale came up right and just smacked him and hit him. Dude. And so they got this amazing two camera angle of him getting just <laughs> whacked by a whale. He was okay, but yeah. the whale just breached, just came down on him. It was mm. insane. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> speaking of getting yeah. whacked by a whale and getting in pain, I want to talk to you a little bit today about injury, about pain, about a lot more than that. So I know you as like this uber huge YouTube, Instagram influencer, like Paris Hilton style. No, I'm just kidding. But one of the top orthopedic physical therapists in the world. I mean, millions of people have read your book. Millions of people follow you online on social. You've helped millions of people alleviate pain. Amazing. Best-selling author. But take me back before all that. Who was, who was Tom Walters? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of this stuff stems, I was telling you earlier, I grew up in Montana. Um, I have kind of a I grew up in kind of an interesting family. I grew up with my mom, my stepdad, and uh, my parents were divorced when I was young. And me and my full brother, I have a half brother from uh, my, you know, my mom, my stepdad's relationship. And then they, we adopted two kids. So I've mm-hmm. got an adopted brother and sister, but grew up in Montana. I was not super academic. I actually really didn't like school all the way through high school. I really thought I'd just go in the military. And I got into Taekwondo. I was in martial arts. That was kind of like my thing. I just couldn't wait to get out of school and go to judo and taekwondo those were like mm. the two things i was doing in high school and so uh that was really my passion taekwondo became an olympic sport the year i graduated from high school so i really thought i would go that route and train for sport taekwondo and at the end of high school for whatever reason i had an army recruiter come to the house i was very close going that direction a lot of people in montana go to the military mm. and i just decided at the last second to try college for a year and i took anatomy and physiology and and really became obsessed with it I was in an exercise science major and nobody had told me there was such a thing as exercise science. You know, like I was in junior high and high school, I was reading muscle and fitness. I was really into (laughs) thinking about how your body can change with exercise and really thinking about it from a performance standpoint. So I was always kind of thinking about this idea of training the body. And then high school, I had a knee surgery and I went to physical therapy for that. I wasn't thinking about it as a career or anything at that point, but I think that was my first exposure to, you can also use exercise to heal the body. Mm. 
that area of study is referred to as pathokinesiology, which is basically studying abnormal human movement. And so that was really my first exposure. So then when I went to college and started taking exercise science classes and took anatomy and physiology, then it, this idea that I could take that exercise science degree and go into a field where I could help people who have injuries and pain, that was kind of, that's kind of how it happened. But I would have never guessed it. I hated school. Mm. Um, always got notes sent home that I wasn't doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced that the kids that get in trouble for not doing their homework are probably the most successful kids later on in life. I don't know why that is, but somehow, but something about breaking the rules mm-hmm. allows for uh, more creative thought later on. I definitely know a lot of people in that boat. So, and I think, I don't know, I mean, not to overgeneralize, but I think for a lot of males, that just isn't a, yeah. that model sitting all day. And yeah. it just isn't, I mean, my brothers all went into trade programs. They just weren't, it just wasn't the right environment for them. And I think now having my own kids, I have two daughters, so yeah. it's a little bit, it's de- they're definitely different than growing up with boys, but our friends who have sons, you can just see that they tend to, on average, have a harder time sitting still in class yeah. than the girls. And I just think maybe even for the, a lot of the guys and maybe the girls that fall into that boat, maybe there's a different way to educate them and you guys yeah. might be doing something similar, but. Yeah, yeah, with our little mini yeah. co-op homeschool thing, yeah. whatever we're building here. Yeah, have you heard that Jordan Peter, there's a Jordan Peterson clip that's gone mm-hmm. pretty viral about like little boys and like we've just, we think there's something wrong with them and so we medicate them and mm-hmm. we we put them back in their rows and they don't want to stay in their rows They like because little boys aren't meant to be mm-hmm. put in these rows. Yeah, we think about how uh, I feel like my mom works in psychiatry and I feel like when we were kids, every boy had ADD. Yeah. And it's like, you just got to medicate them and yeah, calm yeah. them down. And really it's like, that's probably just being a boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had parents say, and, and I'm sure there are many cases where people actually have some problem, mm-hmm. but so many times like, I'll be hanging out with friends of mine and their, their boy, especially, is just being crazy mm-hmm. like a boy. And they're like apologizing for it. And oh yeah, he's got ADD mm-hmm. or he's got this thing. I'm like, no, he's a... He, it's okay. Like, it's totally fine. He's attacking my leg right now and kicking me and trying to murder me. That's what little boys are supposed to do. Totally. Supposed to learn how to murder people, yep. which is super funny. No. But like, I think that's boys, uh, I, there was that, uh, there's that guy that had the TV show for a while on, it was all on uh, dogs, but it was mm. like, was it Caesar Milan? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was like, you had to exercise your dog first and then discipline. And mm. then like, I think maybe it was like this triage of yep. things, but it was like, exercises first. I think little boys are like that. Like yeah. they're, they just calm down and behave better if you just exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took my son on a walk last night and it took us, I don't know, an hour to get half a mile down there. Cause like he's just bouncing off mm. every single item he can find and, and playing with it and jumping off of it. Yeah. it. We got back though. And he just, yeah, he was a different person. Yeah. He was calm and he was happy. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, I did a good job. I yeah. did a dad thing. Like I, I should have <laughs> exactly. done. I was pretty happy about that. All right. So you go to decide to become a doctor of doctor of physical therapy, physical therapy. Yep. Where do you meet your wife? I met her in physical therapy, so she's a PT okay. as well. Oh, no yeah, way. Yeah, so uh, we both went to college basically for kinesiology and exercise science, two different colleges, and then I left Montana because I was just tired of cold weather, and I just thought I'll go to Arizona or Southern California, and we both ended up going to this physical therapy program in Southern California. For PT school, you have to go to get a bachelor's degree, and then you do this basically like a three-year doctorate. Okay. It's very similar to kind of the chiropractic yeah. model, but I met her there. So yeah, she's an orthopedic physical therapist. She's not practicing right now. She... Uh, you know, PT, it's a hard profession. Actually, most people only last about nine years on average in it. And I think it's like a lot of healthcare PT, especially people are coming with pain, you know, yeah. and they're, it's a negative, it's not like going to the gym. Like you're a trainer. <laughs> Everyone's usually kind of upbeat yeah. and positive and I'm getting ripped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But people coming into PT are, you know, they're kind of down, like it's hard on them psychologically. Mm. They're not doing the things they want to do. And I think, and just the way healthcare is structured, it's hard to it's hard to not get burnt out in it. So 
she's doing other things. Can you explain for those who didn't know, because up until a week ago, I didn't know, what is physical therapy? Like, yeah. It's like I, what I thought it was isn't actually what it is. So what what is physical therapy? Yeah, no, that's great to start there because you just assume people know. Physical therapy is basically, it's the practice of Man, when I'm so deep in it, how do I like say yeah. this in just a couple of sentences? But uh, it's basically looking at the musculoskeletal system, the neuromuscular system, right? So it's like kind of what people think of as their physical body. Obviously, there's a mind-body connection, but looking at impairments in the physical body. So physical therapists will do, will perform evaluations and assess people who have pain. Pain's the number one impairment. And so but then after that, it's looking at impairments in movement, basically, kind of your movement system. So like if you had a mobility impairment, a range of motion restriction, or you had a strength impairment, or you had some kind of coordination or motor control impairment. So there are physical therapists. In physical therapy, you can get board certifications like, phys- like doctors do. And so I'm an orthopedic PT, which is most of the common kind of joint-based muscle, joint pains, arthritis, neck pain, tennis mm-hmm. elbow, things like that. But there are neurological physical therapists who only treat people with spinal cord injuries and multiple sclerosis and diseases of the nervous system and injuries. There are pediatric physical therapists who only treat kids, geriatric physical therapists. So there's this, there's a bunch of different specialties, but they're all looking at your movement system and evaluating it for problems in the movement system and then coming up with treatment strategies, which in physical therapy aren't going to be medication based they're going to be usually movement and exercise based strategies that makes sense so i'm going to attempt to not make this whole show just me asking questions about my body because i'm a mess but but i think i think a lot of people in the show are in pain there are probably a lot of people around my age i'm 38 almost 39 and i'm just starting to feel it like a lot right i also did jujitsu for a number of years and got thrown around a lot in that. And jujitsu is hard when you're rolling with white belts, especially because mm-hmm. nobody knows how to control themselves yet. Mm-hmm. And so you're just getting thrashed. So back in December or January, I guess, technically, I set a goal. And I said, this year, my number one goal of the whole year was actually not financial, was not relational, spiritual. It was, I want to fix my back. This is the year I fixed my back. It's been, it's been painful for years. I've complained about it on social media and podcasts for years. And, uh, so I'm like, today, this is, I'm going to fix it. So I started by a number of things. I started, you know, stretching every day. Mm-hmm. Didn't really get any better. I, uh, I started eating differently. I hired a coach, which has been great for building some muscle. I have more muscle than I did before. I've lost some weight. Feel real good about that. Uh, Ryan Kennedy, actually one of our guests we had on, he, he, naturopath guy, amazing. Mm. Back still hurts. So mm. then I'm like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to the gym. Start going to the gym. Started deadlifting with this dude over here, Alex. <laughs> Deadlifts solve all problems. <laughs> yeah, made it way worse. <laughs> uh, deadlifting didn't work. Uh, squats didn't work. So I stopped doing the lower body stuff. I switched to just upper body at the gym, went mm-hmm. to Legree, which is Pilates. Mm. So it's a Pilates on the reformer machine. Because mm-hmm. everyone says like that will strengthen your core, which will help your back. Mm. Been doing that now for four months, mm. pretty consistently. Mm. No better. Mm. So then in that process, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the chiropractor. Mm-hmm did chiropractor 12 times. The first time I felt maybe it was in my head, maybe it wasn't felt better, like mm-hmm. maybe 30% better. Mm. Never got any better from there. And then I just keep doing things to it. Mm-hmm. So here I've, I've tried all these things. Yeah. Finally, I'm like, all right, nothing's working. I'm going to get an MRI. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there must be something broken or something, mm-hmm. right? Maybe MRI. So I go to the doctor. I mean, shocking, the, nine months into the year, I finally decided to go to a real doctor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so this is a problem. I need yeah. an MRI. And he's like, well, before we do an MRI, we have to send you to physical therapy for insurance reasons mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that. We're gonna, you have to do six sessions or something like that of mm-hmm. physical therapy. And I'm like, well, I assume physical therapy was just for old people who needed to like work their ankles or something. <laughs> and uh, he's explaining to me that like he said, and he had all these stats of like people when they just go get an MRI, it was like 
and maybe you know more of this data than mm. I, I'm going to probably butcher it, but basically you have a higher chance of dying if you just get an MRI mm. and then try to fix it than mm. if you just go to physical therapy mm. and fix it, mm -hmm. which I thought was fascinating. So here I am, finally last week for the first time, no, this week, on Monday, I went to physical therapy on Monday morning, and then I went again this morning. Mm. And yeah, it was just like, I don't know, them asking a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, does this hurt? <laughs> does this yeah. hurt? Does this yep. hurt? And then these little exercises that like hold this ball between your legs and now rotate it this way and squeeze it. So anyway, I feel like maybe I just waste, not wasted. The first nine months, I probably should just start it with going to a doctor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just funny. No, I think you did what a lot of people do. And I don't think there's necessarily something wrong with that. I mean, if you look at the world, there are a lot of different movement practitioners and a lot of people with back pain get better doing exactly what you yeah. did and going like they go to Pilates or they go to yoga or they start deadlifting. Yeah. Um, or, you know, they- <laughs> He agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to say it, but he agrees with me. <laughs> Deadlifting does help Nobody some Nobody deadlifts 600 pounds and <laughs> feels good after that, except for Alex. That's, that's you know, 400. <laughs> you know, chiropractic adjustment manipulation, you know, those kind of manual therapy based things. I, you know, a lot of people, those do help a lot of people. And so in some ways I almost, I don't want to say I like that strategy. I'd probably like if you just went to the physical therapist first, yeah, yeah, you know, that yeah. not necessarily the medical doctor, because you can get great medical doctors who are up to date on yeah. kind of pain and injury science. But, and it sounds like you got someone who was, who yeah. didn't want to order yeah, anything. He didn't just, yeah. He's like, no, we're not doing that. We're not giving you medicine. Go yeah, to physical therapy. Totally. Yeah. Which is great. Like, that's what you want to hear from. And I think a lot of uh, younger orthopedic doctors and primary care doctors are are getting better at that. But it's just like the, you know, um, imaging, especially MRIs in the spine, there are a lot of things that exist on imaging that you can't necessarily say, this is the cause of your symptoms. And the problem is when there is something there, it could just be an age-related change. When people see those things, it mm -hmm. often is detrimental to their recovery. Mm. You know, so if you look at places like in the UK, if you, and this is probably what, the road this physician yeah. was going down, you can't actually get an MRI for back pain unless you've done six weeks of physical therapy. Mm. They won't, ju they just won't do it in the beginning because they know it worsens outcomes. Yeah. You know, if you have really specific, like the only cases where they will is if you have say really severe radiating nerve pain down one or both legs and you're having weakness with it, like your legs are buckling or something, then that can be more sinister and the order imaging. But, you know, I think the thing why I'd say there's a lot of, you know, you've got chiropractors, you've got acupuncturists, there's a lot of different professions out there that would treat something like back pain, even to some degree, like string coaches and trainers, like they're encountering people every day with back pain and helping them with exercise. I think what's different about the physical therapist and look, there's good and bad PTs too. Yeah. So you have to really hunt for the, a good one. And I think you want to try and find like, say with your situation, you have back pain, you would want to find an orthopedic PT. So some, a PT who is board certified in orthopedics, they would have the letters OCS after their name. Mm. That's just a helpful thing for people. It'll be a letter and then CS. It means orthopedic clinical specialist, a neurological PT would be neurological clinical specialist. So they'll have a degree and then this board certification, but a good PT is going to do what you've been through. They're going to take you through all these tests they're going to have you move in certain ways. And then they're going to palpate. I mean, I tell every person who comes into PT, my goal is to reproduce your familiar symptoms. Because if you can reproduce the person's symptoms, then you have an idea of how you should treat it. Yeah. Otherwise, what you were doing, even though it works for some people, it's just kind of a shotgun where you're just doing a bunch of different things that kind of target your back. And sometimes, that, I mean, really, some people that does work for them, they find the thing. And yeah. there is a lot of, even in pain, even if you go to PT, I tell everyone, everyone's pain is unique. And what ends up, I mean, we have research showing like these certain things have better evidence than these, but 
within that, everyone's pain is unique. And there is kind of an experimentation process of like what actually helps this person's symptoms. Mm, that makes sense. So you have to stick with it. Even I know you're just getting started with yeah, yeah. whoever this person is, but if they can reproduce your symptoms, I think you're getting closer to figuring out what it is that's causing your pain. Yeah, she got really excited today when there was something and every time I would do it, she, it would, I'd be like, oh, there it is, that hurts. And she's like, yes, okay, I think we found it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, yeah. Uh, it was like the Superman thing where you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, when I did like the Superman thing, every time it just yeah. was like, it was like so you're maybe a kind of extension sensitive. Okay, yeah. So loading into extension. So that's good. If you can, it sounds counterintuitive. You're like, why is the PT excited that I'm hurting? <laughs> but it really does because People who come in like you who don't have an, maybe don't have an acute injury that started their pain problem, you're really kind of investigating and trying to figure out, it's kind of a detective hunt, which yeah. makes it fun to me, but that's they'll, that's good. If you can find something that turns on your familiar symptoms, then you get closer to figuring out what the problem is. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, I want to ask you about some of the things like acupuncture and uh, chiropractors here in just a second. Before we do, I want to get to today's show sponsor. Now, one thing we do on the show uh, that I know you know is we donate all the ad revenue towards a charity of your choosing. So uh, what breaks your heart? Where should we send the money from the show? You know, I was really excited, uh, you know, obviously the wildfires and uh, just everything that's happened here. Growing up, you know, living in Santa Barbara, we had the mudslides a few years back Ooh, yeah. and just how, I, just being living in a community and seeing how horrible something like that is, fires and mudslides and seeing how devastating the fires were out here. I know you guys, one of the organizations you work with is the Mackay Foundation. Yeah. And so I'd love to, Dude. yeah, send- Dude, send I'm, par- I'm part of the Mackay Foundation. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, actually, ironically, that's where I'm leaving after this show. I got a, we have a board meeting for Mackay. So that's awesome. Sweet. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, that's really we, cool. You guys do that. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, it was like when the whole thing came down, it was like a group of business owners here were like, well, how can we help? Like, we're good at business. We're good at real estate, construction, all that. Like, what can we do? So I was talking really. to a lady uh, sitting next to on the flight over here. She lives in Maui and goes back and forth to LA. But, you know, when we had the mudslides, I think when you're on the mainland, it's so much easier to get resources. Like yeah. Things, trucks can just drive yep. in from everywhere. Yeah. And uh, there was an organization that got together called the Bucket Brigade. And it was basically just community members who would volunteer to go scoop mud out of people's wow. properties and things. But that's cool that you guys, I mean, to have that foundation and you're working a part of that. I just, I can't imagine how much harder it is, like I say, to be on an <laughs> island and not. It was tough, like, especially that week. Like, yeah. like it's like. Yeah, you have a fire almost anywhere and you, just, you call the other fire stations mm-hmm. that were within a hundred mile radius, they come over and help. It was just like, there's no one, there's no one coming. Yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah, it's different. So thanks, man. Appreciate that. Well, let's roll the ad. All right, so here are three truths that I've learned about business. Number one, most companies are wildly inefficient. Number two, that inefficiency is caused by not so great leadership. Number three, this is the hard part, Your company can only keep growing if you, the leader, keep growing into a higher version of yourself. And that is why if you're a CEO or high-level leader, I strongly recommend you connect with my friend, Peter Awood of Whitestone Coaching. Peter built multiple seven-figure businesses. He's a good friend of mine. He was guest number 18 on this very show. And business-wise, he can help you become more efficient, more profitable, all while spending more time in your own unique zone of genius. And life-wise, he can also help you enjoy more stability, more freedom, get your priorities straight, Uh, when it comes to health and connecting with your kids and your spouse and your friends. Look, personalized coaching is the best shortcut to success that I found, period, in any and all areas of my life. So here's how to connect with Peter and Whitestone Coaching. Text the word better life, all one word, to 55444. Again, you can connect with Peter and start becoming a legendary leader today by texting better life, one word, to 55444. All right. 
Let's talk about chiropractors, acupuncture. Are those just witch doctors? Do you, is there value there? How much is there value? How much is crazy? What's your stance on that? Yeah, no, there's definitely evidence for those interventions. I'd say it's less than, and I have to be, you have to be kind of careful with something like chiropractic because there are different practitioners in the ways, you know, their approaches to how they treat people. And so some chiropractors are actually very similar to orthopedic yeah. physical therapists. It's very, there's a portion of manual therapy, kind of that hands-on work, and then there's an exercise component. And so they're very focused on the musculoskeletal system and rehab. And I think that's evidence supported. There's some chiropractic things where they'll claim that like a spinal manipulation is treating something systemically. And I yeah. think I have more problems with those or telling people that like they're putting someone's spine back in alignment. Yeah. You know, you just, there's a lot of harmful things that come from that. It ends up making people dependent on that intervention and there's really no research to support it. So I think though, if you're looking at pain, there is evidence to support some of the interventions you'd associate with chiropractic, like adjustments and manipulations in the short term. Yep. They don't have long-term evidence like exercise, but I still, I manipulate some people and do manual therapy. That intervention does have short-term evidence, maybe like in the six-week range for kind of, when somebody's like having acute pain, it helps to calm things down. Uh, same with acupuncture. Acupuncture, and I talk about these in the book, there's a whole chapter that we will put those in complementary and alternative medicine kind of interventions. So they are things that often complement and go well with the exercise and movement therapy. But you wouldn't want somebody to only do those because they tend to be passive. So somebody's doing it to you, yeah. right? You're laying on a table and somebody's doing it to you. And passive interventions have just, the research isn't as great for those in the long term for pain. You want to, you need to get your system moving. You need to activate your muscles. You need to move. It's, and that's where that exercise and movement therapy comes in. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there's like this growing trend. Maybe it's not growing. I don't know. There's like a popular trend on TikTok and Instagram of the chiropractors just like cracking people's necks, you know, and, and the, the sound effect they add after the fact. I'm, I'm almost positive they're usually adding that later. It's like, that's just makes for good entertainment. Oh, yeah, it's so engaging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are like the viral videos. I mean, I, I've done some of them. Yeah. Like, you know, just like I have one where I'm manipulating Kirsten's ankle, my wife. Like, yeah. there's one where we'll pull on people's feet, and sometimes you pull on their foot and their ankle cracks. And yeah. I put a microphone on her leg, and everyone thinks it's fake, and the microphone's on her leg, but okay. they just think the sound is. I'm sure some of those other ones yeah, are, yeah, yeah. you know. There's so many funny videos out there where like somebody crunches a bag of chips on the side. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> but uh, those make for great viral content. I think people like the idea. There's still so many people that believe that if you get manipulated like that, that it's changing something instantly yep. with the alignment of your body or yes. doing something. It's like you're fixing this thing and putting it back. Yep. And so I think that's why there's so much fascination. I think if everyone in the public knew that it was just like popping your knuckles on your hands, it's yeah. just a pressure change. They wouldn't so be. So is that what that is? That's, that's all that is. Yeah. Your facet joints in your spine are about the size of your knuckles and they just pop. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. They definitely make it, uh, make it sound. Cause they'll, they'll say like, oh yeah, here's your spine. It's way out of thing. So we're going to put it back together mm -hmm. and now it's in a line and now you're not hurting anymore. Yeah. If you do follow up x-rays, it doesn't really change. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the problem yeah. with that. That's actually one of the reasons I got started in social media. I was so frustrated having patients come in and they're essentially being told these things telling somebody that like you got to come here for six to eight weeks and get this treatment so yeah. that I can I'm going to do this x-ray beforehand I'm going to show yep. you after that it fixes it is you're using that as it's good for business it just keeps the person dependent yeah, they yeah, have to yeah. keep coming back yep and then if after eight weeks like oh it just didn't I've heard people receive this message oh it just didn't take we've got to do another eight yeah, weeks yeah, you know yeah. it's just it's bs yeah, yeah. I, I I know every time I go to a chiropractor it's usually I mean, I should say, there's been a couple of times in my life where I've done something and then I've been like oh I just threw my back out and then I went to a chiropractor and it Fix it immediately. Yep. It's been very rough. It's happened twice in my life. Normally you go there and they're like, oh yeah, it looks like your spine's out of alignment. 
and they'll do something, they'll crack the neck, they'll do the thing. I'll walk out and I'm like, well, I feel a little bit weird because something just, you know, they just broke they violated. my neck. Yeah, violated my, <laughs> my, uh, my space. But, I, and then they're like, you should feel better in three to five days. And I'm like, well, I would have felt better in three to five days anyway. Yes, like, like exactly. what, what are we talking totally. about here? And I don't want to, like, there are, I have lots of good chiropractor friends yeah. who do like what you're talking about. Like somebody comes in because there is a place for that. If somebody's like had a back or neck pain, they're locked up and the muscles yeah. are spasming, there is something, there is research supporting when you manipulate some people, not only, it does things placebo wise too. Like if you believe it's going to help you, it can help, but it also does things at the tissue level and they'll find that the surrounding muscles that are spasming, their tone will kind of reduce. And, you know, I think people just have to know that it can be a helpful intervention at the right time and place, but you want to eventually get to exercise to kind of keep that problem away, um, you know, reduce it from the risk of it coming back. But uh, yeah, it's those those models of like, you've got to keep coming back. And just what you said, most things, actually most things in the musculoskeletal system, that's good for people to know is that it's called regression to the mean. Most things, if you just, give them time they just get better yeah i mean your your back's been going on a long time so but most (laughs) things will just get better with time but practitioners will take credit for it yes yeah i mean they'll be like oh it's this intervention i did that's where you're getting better like really if you just track people most get better yeah that's funny yeah there's a logical fallacy i don't know what it's called but basically that's where you take credit for things that Mm -hmm. you don't yeah shouldn't we do that in real estate sometimes like i buy a bad real estate deal and then it just the rents just went up by $800 a month over the last three years. I'm a genius. Like, I'm really good. It's like, Survivor no. bias. Yeah, survivor bias. Maybe. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, so then you assume that you're a genius. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, I always preach against like this idea of people who got into real estate or any business in the last like four years, like everybody made money. Like mm-hmm. money was everywhere. It was just so easy to make money yeah. in the last like four or five years in real estate and a lot of businesses. It's like, well, you know, was that good or was that just like, were you actually good or mm-hmm. yeah. just the right, so, right just place, the right, right time? Yeah, yeah the right yeah, place, yeah, right totally. time. Yeah. yeah, we'll take yeah. credit for it. Yeah. And, All right. So, uh, yeah, chiropractor is funny. What about things like Deep Blue as an example? It's like that, like, or like the creams that you rub on you, like mm-hmm. some of the store, but Deep Blue, I know, is like a doTERRA product that I just bought. Uh-huh. Somebody was selling that and, and my wife's a big fan of it. But does that stuff work? Uh, they, they sell, you know, Target, Walmart, they sell different creams that. Yeah. I mean, some of them can uh, like, some of these other passive interventions can kind of have a temporary, I think a lot of them work by sort of distracting your brain mm. from what you're normally feeling. It's almost like you'll hear of like TENS units, mm. you know, and have you ever seen those? Like sounds, yeah. they're little things, the little pads you stick yep. on, it drives an electrical current. Yep. So they might do it in the physical therapy. A lot of times I'll do it at the end of the session, you know, chiropractic office. That's another one where it's almost similar to, to me, like some of these creams where like if you put a cream on and maybe it tingles or yeah, does yeah, something yeah. like that. I think it's like the electrical stimulation where it's sort of just distracting, temporarily distracting yeah. your brain from your actual symptoms. It's most of them aren't. I mean, there are some that have anti-inflammatory medications, but if you look at something like back pain, you're talking about pretty deep structures. Like yeah. that thing on the skin isn't going to penetrate down there. Even ice and heat don't really get yeah. to that depth, but they will, people will temporarily feel better. So yeah. I think there is, I mean, I think, there is something physiologically at like that tissue level and your skin has a ton of nerve endings. So if you change input into the skin, that's what a lot of interventions actually do. Like a lot of pain interventions are thought to change pain because of a neurophysiological process where you're basically giving a new input into the nervous system, some novel input, and then that changes the output. Interesting. Because pain is one of the outputs. It's not this, you know, when I came out of PT school, we always thought of our interventions as very kind of structural and biomechanical. Like, hey, I'm going to do 
this technique on you, this manual therapy technique, or I'm going to do this exercise, and it's going to move the ball, like you're looking at your shoulder, maybe it's going to move the ball backwards in the socket. Mm. And that's going to, it's changing your pain because we shifted the ball, its orientation in the socket. And now you look at these things, most things, most interventions that work for pain, it doesn't seem like that's actually the case. It doesn't really change people's alignment. It doesn't really change their posture, but it probably does something to the nervous system. It's mm. like you're just given, you're just giving a new input and then that changes that pain output. That makes sense. I recently went to a shoe store and I was looking at different shoes because like, again, trying to figure out what to do with my back, you know, this year. And and the guy there was like, oh, you know what you need? And they also, it was a shoe store that sells CBD oil. Mm. And so he's like, you know what you actually need? And he didn't bring out CBD. He brought out actually, it was a THC like cream, uh-huh. like a weed cream. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, just try this, man. Try it. So I'm like, okay. So I try it. And I put it on the lower back and it might be placebo. I don't know. Felt 10 times better. It yeah. was the best. I'm like, I was like, well, shoot. I feel great. Yeah. So I bought this jar of this medicine and I took it home and I put it on later and it didn't do a thing. I just smelled like a weed shop. <laughs> so like <laughs> it didn't do anything later no, on. I didn't do anything later. But when I, when I was in the shop, like that's why I'm like, it must have been placebo. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it like it took away the pain mm-hmm. while I was standing in that shoe store. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it was a weird experience. That must be the explanation. I mean, what you could imagine, like if you're in that space, you're in that environment, uh-huh. this guy is talking like, hyping this is it the up. Thing, yeah. Totally. That could have tapped into yeah. that placebo mechanism, which is a real thing physiologically. Like your brain, our brain makes basically morphine. And yeah. make, it's an endogenous opioid system that will let it out and kind of, because you know you have these messages, like when you have pain, you have these danger messages coming up. They're called, it's called nociception, but it comes up your spinal cord. And there are systems in your brain and spinal cord that you basically send molecules down to kind of block that and turn it down. Yeah, interesting. Which that's a lot of what we know of now. Before it was just like placebo. And yeah. now they're kind of figuring out, well, what are these? kind of physiological mechanisms underpinning yeah. placebo. So if you didn't feel it when you got home, but yeah. you know, I mean, if you had told me, oh, it did help when I got home too, I'd say, go, yeah, yeah it's awesome, try it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I would never tell somebody, unless there was something harmful about it, like some really adverse side effect, all of those other interventions, I'm totally fine with people doing them. I'm not ever, unless it's gonna like some, sometimes chiropractic is so similar that I will tell people to hold on that while we're doing our things because they can be so similar in what they're doing to the system that I don't know what's, because you're introducing, sometimes you're introducing too many variables and you don't know what's sure. changing the person. So speaking of the THC though, what are your thoughts on medical marijuana with pain relief? And, yeah, and I think there's a, I, there's a bunch of research out there. I think, you know, I've seen a bunch. I don't, I haven't gone through and gone through that research recently, but I know for like cancer pain, yeah. there's a bunch. So I think for actually for chronic pain conditions, you know, you'd be interesting because you technically kind of fall into a chronic back pain situation based on the length of time you've had it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like an oral kind of THC yeah. type, maybe. I have some. <laughs> it would be, Thanks, Alex. I'm not saying you have to do it, but it might be, uh, and you might not want to do it now we're in PT because it is another variable, uh, yeah. but it might be interesting as an experiment to see. I mean, at the end of the day, you'd rather prioritize the movement and exercise things, yeah. I think, that you can, you have active control over, yeah. you know, versus again, having to be dependent on something. Yeah, when I was doing the physical therapy on Monday morning, the woman, you know, was, doing all these little things. Okay, move, move your leg. Can you bend it this way? Any pain there? Can you go this way? And she just kept doing that. And everything was like, yeah, that seems fine. Seems fine. And then she did something with my hip. I don't, I'm, I'm going to butcher the terminology, but like the way my hip moved outward or something like that. And she's like, okay, do that. And she's like, okay, I said, do that. And you know, go ahead. And I'm like, I am. She's like, oh, oh, that's it. And so there was like this, like, oh, your hip doesn't move in that direction, period. Mm. And so she's like pulling on it. And she did this weird thing with like a belt. And yeah. She put a belt on it. Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mobilized it. it. Yeah. It's a hip yeah. 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 It was interesting because so she's like, okay, we definitely want to go. So it goes back to that. I could, 
I could borrow some THC <laughs> oral, whatever from Alex over here and try to, you know, try to make it feel better. Mm-hmm. But clearly there's a couple actual problems. Like my, my hip doesn't move a certain direction that it should move. So mm-hmm. let's address that. And that's what, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away that I never thought of this before. Mm-hmm. Like that physical therapy could be the answer to this. Yeah. And, the uh, fact that you, yeah. even when you were asking me, I mean, which I think it was great to cover, like what exactly is physical therapy, that yeah. this just kind of came on your radar. Yeah. It just like, came on my radar. Yeah. yeah. Which is, like I mean, good and that you haven't <laughs> maybe had a bunch of serious injuries and, yeah. you know, orthopedic surgeries and things like that. But yeah, I think for anyone with a movement system problem, that's where you want to start. Cause most of the research will say most musculoskeletal injuries and pain issues, it will say to start with conservative care. If you look it up online, which just basically means physical therapy. Yeah. And I think I would tell people to go that route because it is more exercise and movement focused. There is that manual therapy component, but you're teaching people things to self-manage. It's it's like if you go see a counselor for a mental health issue, they're going to teach you strategies to self-manage. Yeah. So, and I think physical therapists in the movement world are the closest ones to being able to kind of diagnose, you know, a movement problem and then give you things that you can do on your own to self-manage. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the other things are good compliments, but they tend to be Again, someone's doing it to you and you have to go there. Yeah. If some, I, this is going to be a very general question. Uh, and I know there's not an easy answer for this, but let's just say you, like somebody comes to you and they have a back problem and they're just like, what do I, what are some stretches I can do that should help? Are there like a few, like without knowing every detail of the problem in their back? Cause they're like, oh yeah, these are the three stretches that people with bad backs should probably do every day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Most people would, you know, you could pick, I would say a lot of it is actually our hip-based stretches. Okay. I mean, that physical yeah. therapist assessing your hip, a lot of people, your hip is the next adjacent joint to your low back and biomechanically they function together. It's called your lumbopelvic region because your lumbar spine, pelvis, and hip all work together. So for a lot of people with back pain, actually, if you just did hamstring stretches, hip flexor stretches, and glute stretches, mm. that helps most back pain. Yeah. So, you know, you would have other stretches for the spine. Like you might do... There's a whole system called the McKinsey system from Australia, but it involves a lot of extension stretching, which is actually might not be good for you because you sound extension sensitive with the Superman, but you basically have people do these stretches where they kind of arch their back. But honestly, most back pain people, if you have them do hip flexor, hamstring, and glute stretches, their back pain gets quite a bit better, but yeah. it's temporary. Stretching, stretching also tends to be temporary. What do you mean by that? And why is that? And what's the real solution then? Well, they'll usually find that their symptoms are better for a short period of time after the stretch, but it doesn't usually change people, you know, in a couple hours, they'll feel their back pain again. Mm -hmm. So, and the question there sometimes is maybe you need to hold the stretches longer to where you actually create some more permanent change in your nervous system and maybe even in your muscle fibers. You know, most people are holding stretches for 15 to 20 seconds. So it is interesting looking at the stretching research. I think sometimes people don't hold things long enough. Really? Especially coming from a martial arts background, it took me a long time to like get the splits. You know, if you want people to get flexible, you have to be in these stretch, these hold positions sometimes for several minutes. Wow. And some of that, there is research in the stretching world showing that your muscle fibers will actually change length. The sarcomeres, which are the base functional unit of your muscle fiber, you'll add more of them. So your muscle will actually get longer. But the other thing too, is that your muscles all have these stretch receptors that are basically a muscle fiber that's wrapped by a nerve fiber and they detect stretch. So if you stretch too quickly or too intensely, your body will respond by making that muscle contract to protect you. So if you've ever held a stretch for a long period of time, you'll notice that as you hold it, eventually it will let go and you can kind of sink into it farther. That's thought to be those stretch receptors letting go and your nervous system kind of letting go. I think a lot of people who stretch, like people with back pain who are stretching, they aren't holding things long enough to actually get their nervous system to change more permanently. 
So that might be one thing. And then, you know, for some people, it might be that stretching is usually just one element of a more comprehensive program. So usually there's some other kind of activation and strengthening exercises of the hip musculature and the spinal musculature. So I think for a lot of people, they need that next element to maybe kind of help lock in some of those changes. Yeah, so you're stretching, but then you're also building muscle in some area that maybe you were weak before. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's just learning actually for a lot of people in their back, sometimes it is getting stronger. Like that's where deadlifting can help yeah. some people with back pain. Their posterior chain, they're- <laughs> <laughs> Alex, like, give me the look. Yeah, there, there's research to support posterior chain strengthening. So like strengthening your hamstrings, your glutes, your calves, your low back extensors. Most people ignore those, they're not the mirror muscles. So the whole backside of the body kind of gets ignored. So there's actually, studies coming out more and more on this on posterior chain strengthening for back pain. But the other, so there's that strength side. Some people though, for in the low back, especially in the spine, sometimes it's just teaching people how to actually create that mind muscle connection with some of their deeper muscles in their spine. Some people are just, they're kind of completely unaware of some of the, we call it the kind of deep stabilizing system, but you have like this transverse abdominus muscle that's this deep spinal stabilizer, your pelvic floor, like you've heard of Kegels, like yeah. the pelvic floor. And then those tie into a really deep muscle in your low back called multifidus. And those three are sort of neurologically connected. And some people just, not everyone is like this, but some people need to learn how to just turn those on, which isn't really strengthening. It's almost just, it's almost, it's like an activation mind muscle connection mm. thing. That makes so, a lot of sense. You know, if that PT, you said you were doing some little fine movements, you may have an element not knowing exactly what that person's doing, but there may be some of that element, especially you being tall, you have a long spine. Yeah. You see a lot of people with longer torsos. You see just anecdotally, I don't have any research sources, but you see over the years, I've seen people with that kind of body shape, maybe being a little more prone to low back pain. Yep. And so you might be the person where gaining some strength in those big global muscles is important, but also learning to kind of control those deeper stabilizers. <laughs> Alex is again looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys been talking about this? Uh, he's been Let's go to the gym, bro. Yeah. I know. He's like, the, he, the, he had to come all the way here. Yeah. Yeah. I've been telling you for months. Man, I've been going, I've been going to Pilates. That's, that's working those muscles just in a way that I'm not going to kill me like you did. Can I actually ask a question? <laughs> yeah. My father-in-law, uh, Steve, He's 62 or so, and he's like, goes to the doctor, he's like, my knee's killing me. And they say, hey, you need a new knee, which is, in my head, is not that surprising. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, well, if I'm going to get a new knee, I'm going to use the last of this one up. And so him and the family, they go to England and they hike the Wainwright. Mm -hmm. You heard of this? Mm -hmm. You hike the entire eastern coast of England mm -hmm. for like 30 days. And he gets done and he comes home and they goes to the doctor and they're like, you don't need a knee anymore. <laughs> it's fine because you've been... I guess the question is with a lot of folks, they want acupuncture or chiropractic or weed or, <laughs> um, but how much is weed. it people just not doing the work, mm -hmm. the hard work of using, you know, this machine that you're, that you're given to use it to its effectiveness. And then it like sort of, it's a very, I look at it as a very much, if you don't use it, you lose it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Is that a real thing? For sure. I mean, that's a huge component of a lot of musculoskeletal conditions is that people are just, uh, there's a lot of people who are just are more sedentary, you know, or I don't even want to, there are some, a lot of pe people who are incorporating kind of general movement exercise, like walking and they're doing things like that, but they aren't incorporating really what we'd call kind of therapeutic exercise, like where it's a specific, you're specifically loading and challenging certain areas of your body. You're, you're using biomechanics and kinesiology to have a program that you make sure you're targeting 
each of these kind of movement areas of your body, like I've got knee flexors and I've got knee extensors and my ankle plantar flexors, and you've got, your program is comprehensive enough that you are making each of those areas independently more resilient. And I think if you, walking and I do a lot of walking, like the just general forms of exercise, those would probably be the base of your pyramid. Like you would have those just to be getting enough movement each day. And honestly, most people, or a lot of pain conditions and injuries, if you just have people walk more and do things like that, they get better. But when you look at rehabbing from pain issues and injuries and reducing the risk maybe that you have these things, I think there's a lot of people that just aren't working on mobility and strength yeah. exercises on a regular basis that target these areas of their body. People who go to the gym and strength train, I mean, I, I was fortunate that in seventh grade, we had a strength coach who taught our PE class and I learned weightlifting. So I don't look like it, but you know, it's like I learned. You do. Yeah, I learned all this kinesiology stuff early on. And so, and then I was in martial arts and I learned all that. And like all this kind of movement education that I didn't take, I just didn't understand when I was a kid. And now being a PT, I realize I was gaining all these kind of fundamentals of movement. And I think there's a lot of people who just haven't had that. And even if they were in sports, they just, martial arts is kind of unique in what it teaches you versus like if you play football or something. Yeah. So I think that a lot of people, that kind of story, like for sure there's people who have osteoarthritis in their knee and a doctor tells them they need a knee replacement and they go and do a bunch of exercise and strengthening and they, do, they get worse, their pain is worse and they still need a knee replacement. So that doesn't happen to everyone. Totally anecdotal. But I'm not yeah. saying that's a rule. But there, even if you look at that, condition, there's a ton of research to support people. For that example of knee arthritis, if you strengthen them leading into a total knee, they recover much faster. Mm. And you do hear of people that once they start doing mobility and strength exercises and they, cause like your quads, for instance, your quads are your main stabilizer of your knee joint. And so strengthening them kind of helps take stress off your cartilage and osteoarthritis is a cartilage problem. So you will see people where they do those exercises and all of a sudden their pain goes way down. They're like, cause usually pain's the main motivation for that surgery. You know, you might have a, because some people can have a really bad x-ray where there's no joint space and they have osteoarthritis, they don't have that much pain, they're not going to have a knee replacement. So usually pain is the motivator. And so sometimes you will see people where they do the exercises, their pain goes down and they can delay usually having something like that. As a doctor of physical therapy, what advice do you have? Or let's, let's, let's phrase it this way. As a doctor of physical therapy, what are the most dangerous or pain provoking exercises, activities, et cetera, for people over 40? <laughs> like what should we avoid doing at this point? Oh our life? man, I don't know that I would tell any, yeah, gosh, that's a hard one. Probably I would say you have to assess risk. Those okay. are probably the things you have to avoid. Like I used to do jujitsu. It's higher risk, especially with white belts. Yeah. Like people, yeah, yeah, I almost yeah. had my elbow dislocated. Like yeah. people scramble, scramble and you can't control them. So I think honestly, there aren't very many things that I would tell people you have to avoid as a physical therapist. I'm usually trying to help people keep going, but I would say if you're going to be smart about it as you get older, you have to analyze the risk associated with different things and just, you don't want to be fearful, like live in fear, but yeah. probably lean away from the things where the injury risk is really high because it just, the older you get, it's harder to recover those things. And those can take you down. If you have a difficult time recovering or you don't recover fully, that can lead to other impairments that lead to other issues as your age. Mm. And so I know for me, I've, I've just gotten tighter about saying, I'm more willing to say no to activities. Somebody wants to go downhill mountain bike or something or you know, I would love to go back to jujitsu, yeah. but you know, I'll probably go do like kickboxing or something and just kick pads. Cause I, the likelihood of injury is way lower that I can kind of control it. So I'd say activity wise, be careful of situations where maybe you don't have a high skill level 
and you can't control, there's external variables you can't control. Mm. Like, so my daughters were trying to teach them to ski. I didn't, it's weird, going to Montana, I didn't learn to ski. But we went and the second time I like helicoptered my knee and I was like, great, at 41, I'm gonna tear my ACL. Yeah. And so I think as much as I want them to learn, I also just need to be really careful to move slowly with that because the injury risk is way higher with that activity. I'm not good at it. And there's a lot I can't control. Yeah. What are your thoughts on running? Like is running good for you? Running yeah. bad for your knees, bad for your joints? No, running is more positive than negative. Okay. There's this old idea that people would have heard like, oh, running causes arthritis, mm -hmm. you know, and things. But actually more recent research has shown that kind of moderate dose running actually helps protect the cartilage in your knees and hip. Mm. So, you know, people always ask, well, what's moderate dose? You know, so I think, again, this kind of varies person to person. But, you know, if you're somebody who's running like, you know, three to six miles a few times a week, that's probably kind of in that moderate dose category. Maybe it's like a 10 to 15 miles a week type of thing. Yeah. Because if you look at something like running, if you look at people who are really sedentary, they have more cartilage degeneration. You kind of need, your cartilage is kind of like a sponge. So you have to kind of load it and let a lot off it. And that helps it get nutrients. It doesn't have a blood supply. So you kind of have to pump nutrients yeah. into it. So if you're really sedentary, cartilage tends to uh, deteriorate. And then if you load it um, way too much or way too heavily. So like you'll hear of people, um, you know, maybe football players, have a ACL tear or something like that. Those types of injuries can, tra traumas like that can injure your cartilage and increase arthritis and degeneration. So it's kind of those two ends of the spectrum. If you don't load it enough, it tends to break down. If you load it too much, it breaks down. So running kind of has this moderate dose running kind of has this sweet spot of, it kind of challenges your cartilage and keeps it healthy. No, that's cool. That's good to hear. I, mean, I love running. It's one of my favorite things to do, uh, but I do find that whenever I run now, the lower back just hurts the next couple of days. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems to aggravate it. And so I've kind of taken a, the last six months or a year off of much running. Is that something, is there anything you can recommend? Like, what, is there a more stretching I should do for that? Should I just wait till the back's better and I'm fixing it this other way? What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, it's tricky. I think some of it goes back to how you're built. Mm -hmm. You know, you probably are going to be a little more prone to that. Again, just because anthropometrically, you just have that long torso that you're going to have to control. And tall so, and handsome is the Yeah, tall and handsome. Important. That's the that's like, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, but you meet lots of people who are built like you who run and don't have any problems. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you can't make it, it's not this hard and fast rule, but yep. I think, yeah, I think for you, this is actually similar to people who have other pain problems with running. You would look to try and reduce force and stress on the area a little bit. So that could be things like one that's talked a lot about in the running world is increasing your cadence, which maybe you've played with this, but how many steps you take per minute. Mm. So if you take faster I steps, I yeah. Paid attention. Yeah. So there are apps where you can track this. So if you increase your cadence, it then each step with each foot, there's less ground reaction force, which means there's less force going up into your so we're normally doing this with people with knee pain and things, but knee it's gonna transfer your knee and your hip and your low back. So it counts for low back people too. But you can use an app like that and just experiment with like if I take more steps per minute, mm. does that change how my back feels? It's gonna feel like you're running a lot faster, you yeah. know, but you're you're kind of keeping the same speed, but just more steps. You could look at reducing force in that way. You could look at external variables like the surface you're running on. So you might go run on a track, like if there's a university or a college or something or high school around here, the good track, run on that. This versus, is why. We yeah, don't, we don't another, track. I know, yeah, I'm just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, like point. running on cement or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's just more force coming yep. up in the system. So, you know, shoe wear, of course, like different, playing with different types of shoes and how much support they have just because that is an external shock absorber. So maybe adding like a Hoka 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you've tried like a shoe like that. Hoka is the best shoe I ever bought. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what, that made such a drastic difference to my running. Like, mm. it was overnight. Yeah. I started wearing Hoka's and yeah, they're yeah. awesome. Like, and, and yeah. some people don't. People, some people really want like minimal. Everybody's just different. Each yeah. person's unique, and you have to treat their system uniquely. But you know, while you're in this period, there probably is. If somebody came into PT and was asked had back pain currently, like you're talking about, I usually will tell people we don't want to totally stop your running program because that leads to other you decondition. So we usually try to keep people on a running program, but we usually dial back the volume. So while you're going through this and trying to deal with it, if you notice that your back pain is one of the triggers, or that running is one of the triggering activities, you probably would try to dial it back, but keep it going as much as you can in a way that it's not making, it's not hindering you from getting better. Yeah. Because a lot of people have that stuff. I mean, honestly, a lot of physical therapy is behavior modification. You have the exercise and stuff, but most people have something in their life that's keeping it irritated. And it will usually stay irritated until you address that thing. Mm. So, I mean, I've got a, I've got a bicep tendon thing right now that flares up from time to time and it gets irritated by bench pressing and dips. And I usually don't want to stop doing those things. So yeah. it usually takes me like six months before I'm like, all right, I'll try and start modifying. And so if I don't make that modification, usually it just hangs around. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Dips. I, I like doing dips. Uh, I was at the gym two months ago, maybe three and uh, <laughs> I did some dips and I, I heard it hair like something in my shoulder back whatever up here mm. i heard it go and i was like what the and then i couldn't lift my arm up for a good month like higher than about this Dang. like it yeah. was yeah it was rough so i did dips yesterday with alex though uh-huh. you gotta and do more i did well i know clearly <laughs> yeah. i need to do more yeah man it's and i'm just like it reminds me of this joke i can't remember if it was brian regan or jim gaffey and one of them had this joke about like i went to the doctor and i was like hey you know you know i've, I've been whatever when i move my arm like this i'm really hurt and the guy was yep and then that's the end of the joke. It's like, yep. It's like once once you're old, it's just like, yep, it hurts. Exactly. Like, there's no cure. There's nothing better. I think there is a lot of truth to that. And sometimes that's helpful for people to know because we don't go around talking about our pain. Yeah. You know, like people just don't do it. But yeah. most people, most people you talk to have something that's kind of bugging yeah, them. Something that, yeah. And I think it's probably good for people to know that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, I think it's rare to have someone over the age of 35 who nothing bothers them. Alex, what bothers you? Do you have any pain? This is my part of the the, the podcast now. I get yeah. to talk about my stuff. <laughs> Let's hear it. Um, I got a thing in my foot now. <laughs> if I bend this toe, this whole guy down here starts hurting. That's new. Oh, wow. I yep. used to have a hip pain. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I used to have a hip pain. Honestly, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but when I stopped squatting over 400 pounds, that hip pain went away. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So that's no. that's fixed. Um, oh, yeah. My knees are starting to get at me uh-huh. a little bit, and I yeah. do squat a lot. And, and but it's it's in a way that it's never gotten before. That's that's mm. definitely new. Where I'm like, okay, this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I wonder, you do are you a you are a gym guy, like a gym rat? You have the gym all the time, and so I wonder if that actually makes you have less pain because you're always working things. Oh, yeah, man. I feel actually fantastic at 40. Mm-hmm. I think there's people when I was, there's this old story I have when I was 19 or 18, I was in the army and I was doing PT with these guys and they're like 32 mm-hmm. and they're like groaning and creaking and having complaints at 7 a.m. because you're doing, and they said to me like, oh, when you're our age, yeah, you'll be complaining too. And now I'm 40 and they wouldn't, there's no mm-hmm. chance they could come anywhere near me. And so I feel like the gym, even though I've done it probably to excess, has just, it's one of the best investments I've ever made. Mm-hmm. 22 years of squats, too much, but also like I feel very little pain. Yeah, no, strength it. training, if you look at all the different exercise modalities in terms of kind of protecting your system from injury and probably the development of pain, strength training has the best evidence. Mm, that's like, cool. They've done studies on this where they compare mobility training, strength training, 
balance training, things like that. I mean, there's a place for all those other things if you have one of those impairments, but if you're just taking the person who doesn't really, it's pretty healthy and doesn't have much going on that restricts them, if you're gonna pick one thing, you'd pick resistance training. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's the thing, which it makes sense. Our body, the physical body is very mechanical, right? Yeah. I mean, you have your nervous system, so it's different than a car. It's not quite that simple, but it's like, if you go and lift weights, then it doesn't, it doesn't even just be body weight. It doesn't yeah. always have to be with like yeah. real heavy weights. Like you are challenging those mechanical tissues and the way they adapt is to become more resilient, become stronger. So if you think about, if you have a muscle tendon unit and it becomes stronger, it takes more force for it to fail. Yeah. So you're just, it makes sense. You're less likely to get injured. That thing, it's harder to tear it or injure it. It's also, it's not team-based. So you don't need anybody else to do it. And yeah. it's not finesse-based. Like I'm not good at sports at all. So for me to go to the gym, I'm like, I have to go up and down. Doesn't, <laughs> it's not like you have to have balance, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a very much like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's very simple for me. We're going to get good at pickleball though. You and I, mm -hmm. we're going to crush your fiance. You can, cr you're going to be better at me than pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into it. Uh, all right. What about rucking? Like I got a ruck right there. Yeah. Like, 50 pound yeah. ruck. You like yeah, that? Yeah. I like rucking. Yeah, yeah. 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 I have some buddies in Montana that, um, are big into that. And so they run a whole, they, they, they train backcountry hunters. They are specialized in that population. Mm. So they use a lot of rucking. And I think it's a great rucking to me is like, you can build some strength with it, especially if you're like going on trails or somewhere yeah. that we've got to climb some elevation, but you also get all that great cardio. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about getting one cause I walk a lot and hike and body weight just sometimes doesn't feel that challenging. Yep. So I think I'll probably get one or just load my backpack up or something. Yeah. So yeah, I think obviously each person's got to take it in consideration with their own unique symptoms they might have in their body. So like, you can't just say it's good for everybody because yeah. you could have some people with back pain that, that would really make them worse, Yeah, you know? So I think, but if you take the average healthy person, it's a great form to just get out there and like, everybody's talking about zone two cardio right now and all this stuff. And I think rucking is a good way to- Yeah, it wasn't making me feel better. So I put it on pause for a little bit. It's been yeah. sitting there for six months. But what I love the idea of is I do a ton of Zoom calls. I work all day on these calls, right? And most of them, I don't have to have my face. So the idea was I go and walk around, but then walking just body weight wasn't as challenging. Mm -hmm. So the theory was put on a ruck every day, go for an hour around the hills in my neighborhood. Like, you know, I'm up on this hill up here, just go up and down hills while on phone calls. I thought that'd be a great workout. But yeah, every time I was just aggravating the yeah. back too much. So I stopped. But yeah, you're kind of the person where if running um, and you're already kind of extension sensitive, putting something like that up on your shoulders, you're naturally an extension when you're standing and that's going to put more yeah. kind of posterior force back there towards that. So you're kind of the example where right now it might not be the best yeah. option, but hopefully this person gets you sorted out and then yeah. you can start implementing. I mean, that's the idea is that a lot of pain stuff is kind of this graded exposure type process where it's like you get the person calmed down and then you start to reintroduce things that challenge their nervous system Yeah, and you do it in gradual steps. So that's probably something it could be like a goal that you kind of work towards. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I want to shift a little bit, uh, in, in this away from the physical, like how to heal certain things and the pain. I mean, you got a book on this so people can obviously read a ton of stuff and I'm very excited to dig in, but I want to get into the business of what you do a little bit and how you've mm -hmm. built the, the, all the social media and the book writing and all that. But before we even get there, Oh, what do you love most about your wife? Oh man. I love probably most about her is just, she is this like very stable, consistent, positive personality and I swing all over the place. Mm -hmm. So she is that person that keeps me, kind of keeps me on the times, it's great when I'm really high, but on times when I'm down, yeah. she's sort of good at reminding me of why I'm doing things and what I'm doing and kind of pulling me out of that and just being that kind of stable force. I think that's like her, I think that's a gift for her is just, she's always consistent and stable even in all this business stuff and 
you know, cause it's been kind of a new thing to take what was a hobby, this rehab science thing and make it turn into a business. And she has a great business brain. She, I'm impulsive and moody and she's just not that. So, yeah. um, you know, and she can be honest about, you know, things I might need to work on and improve on. So it's just that person. I, but I think that's, uh, that's the thing I love the most about her is that just that personality trait. That's cool. What about each of your girls? Man, my oldest one, it was so fun. She uh, just started seventh grade and in Santa Barbara, there's, you have to apply to all these different schools. And so you have all these uh, essays you have to write as a parent. And uh, a lot of, it was actually really fun, fun practice to just reflect on her and think about her. But my oldest one is extremely empathetic and thoughtful. She's a lot like my mom who's in psychiatry. She's very similar to her. She's, she's like the kid who will notice that somebody's not included and include them and just this like really sweet person. So I love that most about her. The younger one is uh, more that second child, kind of like spunky. <laughs> She'll probably be healthier for it because she doesn't care. She's not so agreeable. She doesn't care so much about whatever people think. And I just love like, you know, sometimes I'll tell her something. She's like, who cares? You know, so she'll say stuff like that. And I just love that about her. Just that kind of spunky, less concern about what people think. And yeah. so, yeah, they're they're great little people though. Ah, oh, that's so fun, man. It's the best part of life. All right. When did this whole idea of being an an online personality begin? Uh, we, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go for it. Like, <laughs> no, how'd that start? No, like, I had no idea. <laughs> I literally, I was teaching at a college in Santa Barbara. Uh, in in between classes, would write things on Instagram. I mean, it. The motivation was that I I had been a PT for ten years at that point. This was in uh, 2016, 2017, and I was just frustrated. People would come in and I would hear kind of uh, messages they'd been told by clinicians, unfortunately, a lot of other clinicians that were just harmful. And uh, a lot of those things to kind of create dependency and keep them coming back. And it just, that was really frustrating to me. And I also just, you know, 10 years of practice, you start to see common patterns. You hear all the common, same, most humans have the same problems, the yeah. same kind of questions. And so I just thought I'll start posting on this and try to put something out. And I actually had deleted the count twice. I deleted it twice. And really? then I was just like, this is, because I would do things like in the gym, like me doing box jumps. I was like, this is narcissistic. Why am I doing this? <laughs> so I deleted it twice. And then I went into class to teach one day and the student was like, hey, you had this post on rotator cuff exercises. My mom has a rotator cuff tear and it was really helping her. I can't find it. And I was like, oh man, I need oh. to like double down on just like really making this a mission to help people. And so I went out to the track and actually the, I, before it was at it was at rehab scientist which i couldn't get back because i just closed it so i went to at rehab science which was way better because it's the umbrella term for all of us who are movement practitioners yeah so it's what you'd study if you got a phd you'd get in rehabilitation science so so i started it and i just thought every day i'm just going to try to put something out that answers one of these common questions provides exercises for things it was never meant to be it was just a hobby yeah you know i mean and i think right place, right time. Like a lot of things in life, I was probably one of the first five physical therapists on Instagram mm. posting PT content. So it wasn't until years later that people kept saying like, you have a big audience, you should try and do something with this that I, you know, the unfortunate thing as a healthcare provider is that no one teaches anything about entrepreneurship or business. Yeah, yeah. I had no experience. I had like no background that my parents worked in healthcare. I had never had been exposed to it. So it's been really a slow evolution you know, for me to just kind of figure that out. And luckily now I have some friends that are entrepreneurs who have done well and I can kind of pick their brains at times. But yeah, it's really been just, uh, it was kind of a hobby in the beginning that I can't take any credit for saying I had this strategy for knowing. Yeah. I, there wasn't even anybody talking about it really. I mean, 
I feel like in the 2016, 2017, the whole influencer creator idea, now it's everywhere. Yeah. But nobody was really talking about that back then. At least I didn't hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like if you go back 10 years or whatever and you're like, there's going to be thousands of people, maybe even hundreds of thousands that make a full-time living just posting pictures on the internet themselves. It's like, that's a weird, like, you couldn't convince me of that no. back then. And no. like, it's You'd such a thing it. now. Mm -hmm. You know what I think is fascinating? I love that you brought this up and I've thought about it a lot is this idea of ego mm. of like, this is narcissistic. I'm posting pictures of myself online. I'm like, who am I to think I can post a workout video or a real estate advice video? Uh, but it's also, it's narcissistic. I'm like, oh, I like people looking at me and doing it. But if I didn't do it, then I'm not helping people. Mm -hmm. And so there's this interesting dynamic that we as <laughs> influencers, like I am very egotistical. I like people liking my picture. <laughs> Alex is shaking his head, yes. I, I like people clicking like on my pictures. It feeds my ego. It makes me feel good. I get the dopamine hit, all that good stuff. But it also helps people. And so there's like this weird, I don't know. I'm not sure how I, how I, it's a continually evolving thing, but how, yeah. How have you managed your niche celebrity-ness? Maybe we'll call it that. I think it's so cool that you're saying that because this is something I reflect on all the time. And there's a, actually a really cool social scientist named Arthur Brooks at yeah, Harvard. I've heard he's, of Arthur He's Brooks. got a couple, yep. his new book is out and he talks about kind of these idols that people can have kind of like the four idols. And I think for me, definitely the one that I'm, most at risk of falling into is affirmation. Mm -hmm. And it's probably kind of what makes me good at doing this, yep. you know, because I like that engagement. And I think you do have to keep that in check. And I think when I was new to posting on social media, it definitely fed my ego more. And now that it's gone longer, I think you kind of mature in it and it's easier maybe to keep it in check. For sure, there's still that element of like, if there was no likes or views, it would be less motivating to yeah. keep doing it. And I think you do run the risk sometimes of thinking you're more special than you are. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> you have to remind yourself, like it's about the content and the original mission and not letting it become too much about you. But it is a tricky thing. You can see why people who become like real celebrities and famous, how that can mess with, yeah. you know, what you think about yourself and just, you can kind of let your ego kind of blow up. Yeah, there's a reason so many like celebrity pastors fall into affairs and, and, celebrities in general fall into drugs and alcohol. It's you're told so many times how amazing you are, especially in the, like what you do, uh, what I do, like the phrase, you changed my life. Like that, that's such a dangerous phrase. And I, I hear it too much and it starts changing your mentality. If you're not careful, oh, for you're sure. like, I changed life. Yeah. Like, hey <laughs> yeah. honey, I'm not doing the dishes today because yeah. I changed <laughs> no. a life today. No, I, <laughs> it's just no. doctors maybe get the same thing. I don't know, like at a hospital, they save lives. For sure. No, I yeah. think you see that in like surgeons and yeah. things. They get that kind of narcissistic uh -huh. big ego. I mean, you hear that. We would see that all the time in PT. And I think that's another, like where like a spouse or someone around you that can yeah. kind of keep you in check is so good because you can start to think like, oh, you know how many people like, yeah. <laughs> said how cool I am today? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you're not impressed yeah. by what I'm doing? Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, who is it? The, there's an ancient like uh, Roman uh, emperor, I think, I don't know, Marcus Aurelius mm. or one of them hired a guy to go walk behind him and just say, you're just a man. Yeah. Like totally. all the time. Yeah. That's Alex. This, that's why I'm the equalizer. He's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there is a, there is a, yeah, it's like ego in general, just with social media in general, is just such a dangerous thing yet it also drives human civilization mm -hmm. in such a powerful way and like mm -hmm. we have the things we have because of ego mm -hmm. and so yeah just trying to guard against that is something it's a balancing act all the yeah. time yeah no there's a there's this uh, quote from c.s lewis that i i heard a psychologist say it one time at a talk and i thought it was it's something i try to remind myself of just because it's i think it it's a little bit different but it's about humility and it's just this idea because i 
I think the danger for me is that I've always been a little insecure. Mm -hmm. And I think the affirmation, that's why yeah. that's the thing that it's kind of my idol because it yep. proves to me what I naturally think inside. And so this quote was, uh, you know, that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself, yourself less. less. Yep. I, I, love I love that love quote. That quote too. And it's like, I think it, every time I remind myself of that, it brings me back to the original mission that I'm not thinking about myself as much in doing this, it's about the content and putting mm. out things that actually help people. And because yeah. even with business, as you, even if you start for me, as I start to think about how can I make money with these things, sometimes I think about that too much, I start to lose focus. I think yep. the content, the quality of it will go down because I'm not thinking about that person who's coming into the clinic and what's going to help them. Mm, yeah. But man, it's a, it's really cool that you brought that up. It's actually refreshing to hear you uh, even think about talking about that because it's always on my radar. And yeah. I'm like, how do I keep this in check? And I think, because I do wonder right now, these things are all at a manageable side where size, where it's sort of like a lifestyle business where yeah. I'm not out there doing too much. But I don't, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be famous. And I think I always had that, like yeah. I wanted that. And now I think as I've gotten older, you see people who actually are famous especially with social media, you yeah. see like, I'm a big UFC fan. I watch like yeah. Conor McGregor, like Conor yeah. McGregor can't go anywhere now. Yeah. And you realize getting to that level would not be, it's not what it, what you imagine when you're a kid. Yeah, I once heard somebody say, I don't, I think it might've been Tim Ferriss back in the day, but that there's this, there's a sweet spot of fame where you're famous enough to, you could put yourself into situations where you're getting your ego fed and you're a big deal. You go to a conference on physical therapy and everyone's like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know? But then you go to the grocery store and no one knows who you are. Exactly. And there's like there's a there's a sweet spot in there where you get your ego fed. And, mm -hmm. and I, I want to like, yeah, I want to stay there. I, like, yep. I, I don't want a TV show because yep. if I got a TV show, now it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And then, and I, yeah, it, but it does feel good. It feels good when people recognize you once in a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can no, go sweet. into a situation. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was great. like in London on a lot. Some guy came up. He's like, are you the rehab science guy? Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was so pumped for the whole day. <laughs> like, I mean, I'd be like, anybody, I'd be lying if I didn't say that. But yeah, if it was happening all the time and you couldn't. Cause it is nice to kind of be anonymous and just have that once in a while. Like I was even hearing Mr. Beast talk about this, Yeah, you know, like he was at a level for a long time where he kind of was what you're talking about. It was like yeah. the, that sweet spot of fame. And now yep. it's like, yeah, he, he goes to, go no. he's like, yeah, he said something about if he goes to a Walmart from the time the first picture yeah. is taken, he sets a timer of five minutes and they have to leave no longer yeah. than that five minutes. Cause other people will just yep. start putting They're on their story. Their people will come there. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a terrible life. Mm -hmm. I think about Taylor Swift like that sometimes, oh, yeah. like probably the most famous, one of the most famous people in the world. The NFL is getting more popular because yeah, Taylor Swift is dating. That's how famous she <laughs> yeah, is. It's absurd. Yeah. You like you're. It sounds yeah. Anyway, it sounds you don't like have a normal life. existence. It's not a normal yeah. yeah. But I do love how you said like, you know, if you just focus on the content, like I want to help people. In fact, I had a social media like mastermind last year where I coached a couple, you know, a dozen people or so through social media in the real estate space. And the thing I stressed more than anything else that entire year was like, every piece of content has to be about helping somebody else. Like. And so I think it's a fun practice that I encourage people with is take a picture of your lunch, but make it about the, the, the viewer. Like, how do you turn your picture of your lunch into something about the viewer? And every single thing you put out, generally speaking, should be trying to help people. Mm -hmm. And if you start focusing too much on the business of like, what do I need? You know, Gary Vaynerchuk calls it a jab, 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 right hook. If you're just like, if all you're doing is right hooking and trying to ask and ask and ask and ask, people just don't like it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think when I look at your account, like your account is just constantly giving information. So has that been a, a purposeful thing? Like what does your social media strategy look like? How have you developed that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, I think that's so true. I, I feel like any times I, just what you're talking about, anytime I'm too focused on myself and maybe it's just this 
kind of transition to kind of being an entrepreneur, I, I'm solo a lot, mm -hmm. you know, in my own head. And I think times when I get anxious and stressed, I realize I'm thinking about myself, you mm -hmm. know, and yeah. as soon as you start thinking outwardly and you hear this all the time, like as soon as you do something service oriented, yeah. you feel way better. Yep. And I mean, in terms of kind of my account and that strategy, yeah, I, I think I was kind of lucky and that early on when I deleted the account those couple of times, I realized I'm, this is a self-serving, like this post is just me talking about how cool I am. Like I can jump yeah. on, the, you know, whatever yeah, I can yeah. do this thing. And I think now for me, the strategy has, has just been, I don't, I don't actively have to think about, I need to think about the per someone else and helping them because it, I think because it's physical therapy, it's just naturally a service sure. industry. So it's like, I'm more now I'm just thinking about what are the common problems and yep. questions. And like somebody will come into the clinic and I'm like, oh, I need to do a neck mobility post. I haven't done that in a while. And this person had that problem. So I think it makes it a little bit easier. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, you're thinking about how can this thing help someone else? But yeah. for me, I think just because the industry I'm in, it's easier to have it be a, for other people yeah. or sort of geared towards other people. Yeah, that's a lot, that's, that's perfect. The book, where'd that come from? Why'd you write it? Tell me about it. Yeah, so the book is Rehab Science, just like my accounts. It really, the motivation behind it, the problem with social media is that even though it can be extremely positive and helpful, you just can't be as comprehensive and nuanced as you'd yeah. want to be. And I think it would bother me if someone came to my account, because I know that this happens sometimes people think, oh, this, I have tennis elbow and these three exercises you put in this post is all physical therapy is. And they don't understand really how nuanced like the evaluation mm -hmm. and tailoring things and how much goes into what we know about pain and injury. And a book is just such a good place, you know, yeah. for putting that all down. And, you know, I think a lot of people, this book has a bunch of programs, which I wanted it to be applicable. I think a lot of people would just jump to those programs, but I hope they'll go back. The first 10 chapters are on the science of pain and injury. And as a PT, having that information, I think kind of helps protect me a little bit. Like I don't get quite as anxious about injuries and pain issues. Whereas a lot of times I'll see patients come in and, you know, people get pretty stressed when they have a pain that they can't see it's inside somewhere yeah. and they don't know what's causing it. And so I think when you kind of start to just arm yourself a little bit with some knowledge about pain and injury, it can kind of help protect you a little bit from some of those worries about it. So yeah, I mean, really it was just, can I put out something that's like this comprehensive, all-encompassing work that someone could have on their coffee table that they could learn about pain and injury, but they could also just open to like a plantar fasciitis program or a tennis O program. And there's exercises. I can literally just start doing this. It's like like going to PT. It's like if you went to PT for these 50 conditions and they give you programs yeah. and just had them at home. Yeah. I love that. It's the largest book I've ever seen also. So that's, that's these guys. And I have to, my uh, co-author, Glenn Cordoza, he, that dude is awesome. He actually reached out to me. Glenn has um, worked on a bunch of really kind of iconic books over the years. There's one called uh, How to Become a Supple Leopard. Can oh yeah, I heard that. Book? Yeah. So yeah. Glenn did that book with Kelly. It, yeah. yeah. Like Glenn it's also kinda, a huge book. It's, it's a huge book. Shelf, yeah. yeah, they specialize. This uh, Victory Belt, my publishing house, they kind of specialize in these textbook sized books that are meant for like just the regular person as kind yeah. of a resource. So, but dude, he, Glenn, he's been doing this for 20 years. He's our age. He just knows, because a big book like this, if it was just text, it'd be really boring. Yeah, so yeah. he's also good at like, let's do a call up box here, an illustration here, mm -hmm. you know, just that skill. I, it wouldn't have happened if he wasn't such a good writer and knew yeah. all that stuff. So that's cool, man. Well, let's shift over to the next segment of the show. This is called the three, two, one pivot. Okay. I'm going to ask you three books that pivoted your life, changed the direction of your life, two people that changed the direction of your life and one pivot quote. Okay. So let's start with the books, three books. Yeah. So three books, I think I would say one that's been around for a long time. And just recently, I, it seems like I pick it up 
every year or two is uh, Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of mm, Not yeah, Giving not an giving, F. That, that's that, so good. I just, I tend to be someone who starts giving an F about yeah. things I can't <laughs> control and too many little things. So yeah, that I'd book, love to have that guy on the podcast. We yeah, I thought you were going to dump on the chiropractors, but you were so nice. Yeah. To <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um, that book just kind of helps me recalibrate sometimes just yeah. on, uh, I don't know, just shapes my perspective on not caring so much about l things I can't control. There's a little book, I'm going to forget who the author's name is, but um, there's a little book that has made a difference in my life and my family, we use it together as sort of like a devotional, but it's called Attitudes of Gratitude. Mm. And it's just this little book that has kind of daily devotional gratitude. And so actually my 12 year old was watching a YouTube video of another family and got this idea. This book's been sitting around, but she was like, can we do a family devotional? That's cool. She saw this YouTube family doing it. So people talk about bad social medias, there's a positive. <laughs> So my 12 year old kind of spearheaded this thing where, especially on Saturdays and Sundays, we sit together in the living room and do one of these gratitude devotionals and kind of cool. all reflect on what we're grateful for. So gratitude, as we all know, is huge. And that book is just a nice bite-sized daily kind of reminder. The other one is Arthur Brooks, that social scientist I was talking yeah. about. He has a new book that uh, the title is, I think it's How to Build a Successful Life is the title. I'm currently reading it right now and I'm, but he has two books, but that he, he studies happiness yeah. and I think the way he breaks it down into these macronutrients you need for happiness, you need this satisfaction, enjoyment, and then meaning slash purpose. And if people don't have those three, then usually they'll feel some kind of level of unhappiness. And so I just really like the way he breaks down those kind of macronutrients. That's cool. Just working towards those. And I'd heard him on Rich Roll's podcast and it was probably... Yeah the most influential interview I'd heard in the last like five years or something. So just for me personally, where I've been at and just stressors and that was just uh, really helpful to kind of get me back on track. Yeah, very cool. Well, yeah, another guy to add to the podcast list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'd be great. Uh, all right, two pivot people. Who's made a big impact in your life? Yeah, I would say for sure my mom. You know, I, I was saying before, she is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. She's one of the most empathetic, thoughtful, just good listening people everywhere we go. She's instantly best friends with everyone. We're like in Jersey mics and everyone wants to tell her like their life story. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on right I now? But like that. My yeah. mom is amazing. She just has this energy that people just open up to her. And, you know, she was just hugely influential in terms of, I mean, on a lot of levels, but I think just the way she interacts and treats other people was yeah. a big part of that. You know, I grew up with my stepdad and I'd actually probably say, even though I didn't get along with him super well all growing up, he probably really was the other most influential person. He passed away of brain cancer during COVID. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, it was like, it was hard to lose him. I think looking back on it now, as much as I fought with him as a kid and just, he was so strict and authoritative and I just, so many stories of just giving him the bird and yeah. just, you know, just fights. And he was so on top of like discipline treating other people with respect, leaving things better than the way you found them, just kind of rules of life almost like yeah. Jordan Peterson talks about that I thought were annoying at the time, but they really have shaped who I am and I think helped me become a successful adult to whatever yeah. degree. So things I think about now as a parent and um, yeah, those are probably, I would, I think probably there's lots of people you could name it. They have to be the probably the two most influential. Cool. What about one pivot quote? quote that's changed the direction of your life. I think I'd probably go back to that C.S. Lewis quote. Yeah. Uh, that's the one I go back to all the time because I do, as a naturally a person who kind of questions what I know and my knowledge, it's something I've always kind of 
been insecure about like how smart am I? Yeah. So affirmations are a delicate dance for me to um I think I have to figure out how to feed that internally and keep my humility kind of in check. And I think for me it's that that quote reminds me of again that humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less and I do recognize that I have a tendency to think less of myself and when I am feeling anxious or stressed it's usually I'm thinking about myself too much and so that I have to constantly remind myself of that quote very cool all right next segment past present future start with what is your advice to your younger self yeah younger self I would probably say I think reflecting back on obviously everybody has challenges there's things that come up when you're younger but I feel like there were a lot of way more positives than negative when I was younger. I think it would honestly be kind of business related. And I would have told myself to learn more about entrepreneurship mm. and like try and start some businesses when yes. you're younger. And like, I waited until longer just because I didn't know what I didn't know, you know? And so I didn't try to start a business until I was in my mid thirties, I guess, you know, or early to mid thirties. And, you know, there were a lot of things that didn't fail about that and didn't go well. And that business shut down. And like everyone says that, helped me evolve and I learned a lot from it, but I wish I had started that like in my early twenties. Yeah. I hear you. Same. Uh, what is something you've done in the last 12 months you've implemented into your life, some kind of change or a new habit, action routine that's given you a better life? The thing that's made the biggest difference in the last 12 months is I hadn't done blood work in a long time mm. and I had my blood work done and started incorporating some micronutrients and things that I was deficient in. And I talk to people about the role of nutrition and these things all the time when it comes to pain and injury. And I just hadn't done that. I literally hadn't had my blood done since I was 25. Wow. And so I ended up hooking up with this group, found out about them from a podcast and uh, went and had my, you know, just kind of did a consultation. I noticed my energy was lower. I thought maybe my testosterone was low or something like that and ended up finding some things to kind of go after. And I think I'm always talking to people about like objective data, like people come to PT and we measure range of motion and we tell them you can move through 160 degrees or you've got this strength level or you scored this score on this test or whatever. And I, data is just really helpful. I'm looking at it for sleep, like my heart rate, other kind of health related uh, parameters, but I just hadn't done that blood work in so long. And to be honest, I think during COVID probably like a lot of people been in my head a lot and there's so many variables that happen during these last few years, different stressors and things that you can kind of get lost in that and not know what is the direction you should go. And yeah. I think that that actually just having data on what's going on inside my body gave me some things to instantly start implementing. And they've probably made the biggest difference in like terms of my energy and just how I feel and how I sleep and all these things. And then you just get that positive momentum, you know, everything else gets better. So that's great. Uh, I don't mean to be too prying, but what micronutrients, I mean, you don't have to tell them like, what's, yeah. is this the common things or? Yeah, common. I um, I started with magnesium first and I feel like a lot of people take magnesium for like helping sleep, but that made a big difference. I was a little low on my vitamin D and I think I actually, maybe a year or two ago, went to the dermatologist and the dermatologist kind of freaked me out about sun exposure. So I think mm. I tend to be a little bit of a, I swing on yeah, the pendulum. Yeah, yeah. So I went hardcore, like, I think just, Sounds I wasn't getting any sun. Day. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just covering up all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they'll I, do, dermatologists will freak you oh, out. They'll freak you like, out. Yeah, yeah. If you touch the sun one time, you <laughs> like, oh, like, you need sunscreen every everywhere. time you yeah. go outside. Yep. So I think I went a little crazy, but those have been the two biggest things I changed just initially. And there's some more I'm going to go after, but just magnesium and vitamin D 
were yeah. the first two. I'll probably do like, I was a low in vitamin B12 and uh, some thyroid. I might try like, a, there's this thyroid kind of supplement. So I might try that. But yeah, that's what I've started with. Yeah, 15 minutes before you got here, actually, I had a phlebotomist out there called. Oh, yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah. Sucking out a bunch yeah, of blood, doing a blood it. test just today. Totally. So I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, so nice. All right. When you pass away someday, what do you want people to say about you? He was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. No. <laughs> no, I think uh, what would be amazing, it actually is a little depressing to me to think about that most of us have forgotten in just mm -hmm. a couple of generations. I honestly sometimes, that will sometimes get me down and then I'll start to feel like, why am I doing any of this and mm -hmm. even trying? I think what I hope for is that I have, I contribute to like incremental change mm. in us getting better as humans. And so I think my hope would be that people would look back and say, oh, this Tom Walters guy, this physical therapist, he helped expand and educate more people on how we think about pain and injury and how we can help combat those things. How can we use exercise and movement to help get rid of pain? And I think we kind of take it for granted in the US how we developed we are in terms of healthcare. Yeah. Physical therapy, that's true. Like the UK, Australia, the US are tend to be more advanced in this field. And so it has been eye-opening to me to be on social media all these years and interact. I interact with a lot of people in India um, and just in the Middle East and East Asia. There are just a lot of people who don't understand much about pain and injury and how exercise and movement can be used to keep their system healthy. If that was the ultimate end kind of outcome of this that I helped move that move the needle on that, that's what I'd think would be pretty cool. Perfect. All right, two more questions in the wrap up here. First, what are you excited about? What's coming up in your life? Oh man, what am I excited about? Well, I'd say kind of on the, I'm just, I'm really actually excited about this whole journey right now of the book coming out and doing podcasts has been really exciting. Uh, next year I'll have courses and I think I'm just excited to actually make rehab science a business. Yeah. Like, uh, cause you do hit a point where if a something you're doing never makes money, it, it's hard to sustain it and keep yeah. it going. And so I think that was the thing I needed to realize I feel bad sometimes about making money and the thing I'm doing, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I think I had to teach myself or just hear it from enough people that it, if you make money doing it, it will sustain it and you'll help more people. So yeah. I think I'm excited about, I'll have courses come out next year. Glenn and I are going to work on them for practitioners That's to help great. more yeah. practitioners around the world, just get better at exercise prescription for people with pain. And so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And then, I mean, just lots of, there's always exciting things happening with, family and kids and what we we were uh, i think i was telling you we were living in bali at the start of covid yeah and we had to leave early we we're supposed to be there for six months so we're going to go back to bali for a month next summer that's cool. so that's on the, our radar so that's pretty exciting that's cool yeah um it's funny about the making money i used to like i used to be the same way like i don't like charging money for anything and like i was part of the bigger pockets world which is like a huge real estate site and like that was founded on the idea you don't pay for education you shouldn't it's bad like get everything free and then i started doing these like master classes or masterminds out mm -hmm. here in maui and inviting people out when you're charging like five grand, seven grand, even we got up to. And all of a sudden I realized all those people were taking such massive action afterwards mm -hmm. versus the million people that are taught for free who 90% of them don't do anything. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's something to it. And I thought the, the groups I'm a part of where I've paid to be part of like certain masterminds or groups, like I show up and I do the work. And then the ones that they give me free memberships, I don't show up and I don't do the work. So yeah, it's, my perspective my perspective's changed quite a bit. That's so true. That's actually really cool to hear. And it's neat to hear it from a business perspective because you see this all the time, actually just in like healthcare with PT, we always talk about adherence. You give a patient something and very few don't, yeah. don't really want to do it. And that's actually way less common in cash-based practices. I bet, yeah. So when people I come bet. in and they pay cash for it, they really want to do that. They're motivated. 100%, that so makes so much sense. That's pretty cool. Like yeah. actually from a business standpoint, it actually makes me feel better about 
maybe doing conferences and actually charging people. Because if you actually see that they make change after that and they're yeah. motivated, that's pretty cool. I have a group called The 50. We don't, I don't really talk about it much, but it's a growing, like it's a group I'm building. It's only 50 people, all multi-million dollar real estate investors, but it's 50,000 bucks to be in it. And the guys that, I mean, first of all, I had 15 calls and like 13 have signed up, which blew my mind. And the, the fact that they show up and play full out every time and, and these guys, I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous because they've so heavily invested, they have to make a return. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, they already are successful. So like, you know, I'm not taking money from grandma. It's like, but it's, that's so fun to be a part of because these guys are in it, like fully deep in it. Oh yeah. Paid. So there's, yeah, there's no option pain. B, like you're yeah, going to go get after it. They're going to go get yeah, after it. That's and cool. the kind of person that can pay that money also to be in a group with other people that can pay that kind of money separates those people mm-hmm. as just a different level. So yeah, yeah don't, yeah, I wouldn't feel bad at all. Have you read uh, Alex Hermosi's $100 million offers? I just was listening to him kind of going through his slides yeah. on it, yeah. but I feel like I need to. Yeah, $100 million offers was the best mm. internet marketing book I ever read. Mm-hmm. So, and he's got the new one, $100 million leads, which I'm just about to start. So. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was leads. I was just yeah, watching okay. a presentation on yeah. leads. Yeah. yeah. Leads is the new one, but offers, I think. You really yeah, benefited so from that. Really? Okay. I'll add that to my it's list. It's so good. <laughs> All right. Last question. Where can people find out more about you and follow you? Please. Yeah, mostly Instagram and YouTube. So it's at Rehab Science on there. And uh, the book is Rehab Science How to Overcome Pain and Heal from Injury. It's on Amazon, Barnes Noble, all those places. People can always DM me. I try to respond to most DMs on Instagram. So if people are looking for, a link for, they've got I've got this problem is there something you've got or whatever they can reach out so but yeah those are the big spots Instagram Facebook love the book stuff alright sir thank you very much appreciate thanks, you brother. thanks man and that is the show thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on this show if you found value in this episode please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform Uh, Your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback. I look at the feedback and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, Check out abetterlife.com slash best life. Abetterlife.com slash best life. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.